to see you today. I really like that video because it really helps us capture the heart behind our new series called Living with 2020 Vision. Because what we're doing in this series is we are asking God to open our eyes, to set our sights, to help us fix our vision on Him and His high calling on our lives. We're asking God to help us to get out of this blurry survival mode living so that we can be a part of changing history and making a difference for good in the world. And the truth is, as I look around this room, I want you to know that as your pastor, I see you. And I want to tell you, I know that you need this series. And I need this series because I understand how easy it is for us to lose our vision. I get how easy it is to walk through life just being blindsided by busyness, fuzzy about our purpose. And it can can get so bad where you totally walk through your life, you totally miss the call of God, and you totally stop seeing the needs of people all around you. In fact, this is so important. It kind of makes me think of the story of the blind guy. He's walking with this seeing eye dog down the street, and he wanders into a china shop. And then he does the craziest thing. He has a seeing eye dog. He starts turning in a circle with his dog like this. He goes faster and faster. And pretty soon, he's like dragging his dog. He spins his dog around. Next thing you know, his dog's over his head like this. Lady in the china shop runs over. Mr. Mr. What are you doing? What are you doing? The blind guy says, oh, just looking around. Yeah, just, just, you know, yeah. But you think that's bad. Hang on. Hang on. You know, I tell that because that's how most of us are just spending our, we're just going through our lives. You know, instead of living with clarity of vision and real purpose, we're, we're just looking around. Kind of, on a side note with the seeing eye dog thing, it kind of makes me think of why blind people uh, don't like skydiving. Because it really scares the dog. It's just, <laughs> I know, I know, I know you're thinking, no, no, he did not just do that. <laughs> Well, okay, one more, one more. <laughs> you, 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 know how, you know how Stevie Wonder met his wife, right? Blind date. So, okay. Well, okay, the reason I'm saying that is because, because on this date, on this date, on this moment in our history as our church, as we celebrate our 20th anniversary, friends, we, on this date, we can't afford to be blind, We need to have crystal, crystal vision. Instead of making fun of someone who's blind, let me talk about it. We have an outline for our message. It's a light blue sheet found in your program. Let me encourage you to pull this out and use it to follow along. All the verses from the Bible that we're looking at are printed there for you. But right off the top, I want you to hear from a blind person. Helen Keller, who said these words, The only thing worse than being blind is having sight, but no vision. Man, that's good, right? In fact, can I tell you, as we celebrate our 20-year anniversary, I'm so glad. One of the reasons we're sitting here today with so much growth and impact and life change over 20 years is from day one of this church, we started Crossroads with a clear, compelling, God-given vision. In fact, in honor of our 20th anniversary this weekend, can I ask you to stand with me? Let's all stand to our feet. This isn't just for me. This is for you. 
This is for your life. This is to help bring us back to clarity. I want us to say the Crossroads vision out loud together. Ready? The vision of Crossroads. To lead seekers to love Christ, love others, and live life on purpose. Amen. You may be seated. You know, when we started this church, we had no money, no people, no place to meet. But I want to tell you, we had a clear and compelling vision. We had a vision for making an eternal difference in the lives of people. Now, when we started this series, Living with 2020 Vision, we said we're going to share in the next three weeks, we're going to share with you three steps that will help you live your life with clear God-given vision. And we started last week, we said the first step, if you're going to live your life with a clear vision, you need to take some time for looking back, for looking back. And we did that last week. We talked a little bit about our history I share with you how many times in the Bible when God wanted to lead his people to a new place. Man, usually he'd raise up a great leader like Moses or Joshua or Nehemiah. And these leaders would say, hey, before we go forward, let's take some time for looking back to remember all the great things that God has done. Let's remember his goodness and mercy and faithfulness and protection. And by looking back, here's what happens. When you take time to look back, it brings clarity and confidence in moving forward, in moving into what God calls us to do. And there on your outline, just for the sake of review, I shared with you last week like the three top lessons that God like etched on my heart during the last 20 years. Let's talk about the first one from last week is that where God guides, God provides. He's done it for the church and friends. I promise that's a promise for For you, that if you will commit your life to following God's guidance, he will provide for you every step of the way. And I want to tell you, for our church, we've just had another great miracle provision. I have great news to share. Last weekend, when we had our 20th anniversary, we had an offering to say our goal was to provide for all the new chairs for our new worship center. And can I tell you, in one weekend... You guys gave over $22,000, and you've covered all the chairs. Where God guides, God provides. The second lesson is this is so cool, is that Jesus can save and use anyone. And friends, that means you. Regardless of who you are, where you've been, what you've done, Jesus can save you and change your life and use you to make a difference in the world. And we're going to see a beautiful picture of that at the end of our service when we have our baptisms. Just on a side note, I want you to know this very weekend, we're baptizing 16 people this weekend. So exciting times. And then thirdly, the local church is the hope of the world. The local church is a hope of the world, the only God-ordained place where people can come and find out they have a Father in heaven, a Savior who loves them so much that he died for them, a power source to live on called the Holy Spirit, and a family to go through the storms of life with called the local church. It's the hope of the world. See, that's the first step in living with vision, taking some time for looking back. Well, this morning, we're taking the second step. And it's there on your outline. The second step, if you're going to live with clarity of vision, you have to look forward with hope. 
looking forward with hope. I love this promise from Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13 on your outline. Would you look at this verse with me that says this? For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you what? A future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen. And if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. What a great promise, guys. Can I put this verse in context? In this context of this passage in Jeremiah, God's people, they're in difficult times. They were captives in Babylon. And there was going to be no quick fix, no genie in the lamp miracle. They were in it for the long haul. And God wanted his people to hang on to hope and to look forward knowing that God had a good plan for them because he's our good, good father. And friends, you put this Old Testament promise together with the promise found in the New Testament from Philippians 1.6 on your outline that says this. The Apostle Paul tells the church at Philippi, and I am certain that God who began a good work in you will continue his work until it's finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Would you underline, will continue his work until it's finally finished. Friends, do you realize 20 years ago, God started something really good here called Crossroads. But he's not finished. He's not done. In fact, I want to tell you, I believe God's just warming up. The first 20 was the warm-up. Man, God's greatest miracles are still in front of us. And man, he has good plans for you, for our church family. And those plans are really good. And I I, I have to be honest, I don't know everything God has planned for us the next 20 years. But I do know that he has some really good things and some new things for us right now. In fact, I love on the bottom of your outline, Isaiah 43, verses 18 and 19 says this. Forget the former things. He says... And don't get stuck in the past. Don't try to, like, live in the glory days. Man, it's, it's good to take some time for looking back, but don't get stuck there. Look forward. It says this, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing what? A new thing. A new, in fact, underline, see, I am doing a new thing. And with the time remaining in my message, I want to share with you four new things that are happening at, at Crossroads that I'm really looking forward to. If you turn your outline over, Crossroads looking forward the next 20 years. Can I tell you, as your pastor, I'm really looking forward to, number one, starting our new outreach series. Our new outreach series. Starting the first week in October, we're launching a brand new outreach series. And can I tell you, man, it's all your fault. Man, it's your fault. Remember, two months ago, we asked you to do a survey and list the messages you wanted to hear most that would help you, but it would also help reach your friends and families and co-workers. And based on the messages you, cho- you chose, we put together a great new outreach series called When Life Hits. Can I ask you, how many of you sitting here today have ever taken a hit from life? Like, all right. Kind of makes me think of uh, when my daughter, Sierra, was four years old. We went over to some friend's house for dinner, John and Michelle Matthews. We're, we're having a great time. Sierra's four. Their son, Cole, was six years old. They're out in the backyard playing, and we're just having a nice visit. 
when all of a sudden Cole comes running in, holding his head, and he's crying. Parents, oh my gosh, Cole, Cole, what happened? What happened? He goes, Sierra hit me. And I was like, well, parents, we're shocked. Like, what's going on? Sierra, come in here. Sierra, honey, did, did you hit Cole? Yes. What did you hit? I hit him with a stick. Why in the world did you hit him? Because he wasn't paying attention to me. <laughs> Last night when I told that story, someone over here said, some guy said, yeah, typical girl hitting a guy with a... <laughs> and then some lady said, yeah, typical guy not paying enough attention to his girl. Like, but like you know, can I tell you, like a girl with a stick, sometimes life can just hit you at the most unexpected times in life. And this is what we want to do with this series when life hits, is we want to help people, just just like the video. We want to see people all around us through God's eyes. And we want to give them a strong foundation in Christ and guidance from God's word so that when they take the hit, they can stand. They can stand and not fall. I love what Jesus said in Matthew 7, 24 and 25 on your outline. This is what Jesus said. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on what? On the rock. Man, that's what we want to do. And friends, can I tell you, would you underline this phrase, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. We want to help people. We, we don't want to see marriages fall. We don't want to see families fall. We don't want to see teenagers go down. We don't want to see faith fall. We want to build people up. And I know this series, listen to me, it's going to help fulfill our great vision because this is what I know. We're going to reach a lot of seekers because when you're hurting, when you're struggling, when you're dealing with loss, you're more open to God's help in your life, right? On the screen behind me is a great quote from C.S. Lewis who says it this way. Pain insists on being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our consciences, but shouts in our pains. It's his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. And when we do this series about taking hits, again, people all around you, all around your life, if you'll just live with vision, you'll see people are taking hits right and left, and he wants to use you to be the hope of the world and to be a source of hope in their lives. And I want to tell you, for this series to be a a success, it's not just up to me. It's not just up to me trying to give good messages or Pastor Fred leading good music. For this series to really connect, it's going to take all of us together. I want to share three ways that you, God could use you to live with vision and to have an impact right now. They're on your outline. First of all, I would say, help us with some door hangers on this Saturday. We're going to meet here at 9 o'clock in the morning. And do you know, in just one hour... You can invite more people to church in one hour than you've done all year long. Man, you can go and you can just hang a little door hanger on someone's 
uh, doorknob, say a little prayer, God, please bless this home. God, I don't know who, who lives here, but help them. You can hang a hundred door hangers in an hour. Man, the average home has at least four people. Invite 400 people to church in one hour. And can I tell you this? God just has a way of putting the right things in people's hands at just the right time. And I promise you, someone's going to get this door hanger and they're going to look at this taking and they're going to go, man, I'm taking some hits right now. My marriage is a mess. My teens are rebelling. Man, I'm broke and out of work. And they're going to get this and they're going to feel like, man, I think God's talking to me. I think, I, and guess what? They will walk through these doors and they won't know what hit them, right? The love of Jesus changing their lives. Will you help us? Will you come out this Saturday one hour to invite people to church? Also, I'm going to ask you during this series to become better equipped to help hurting people. You know, our mantra around here at this church is every member is a minister. Now, if, if I were you, like sitting in your seat, during this series, here's what I'd do. I would take every single outline. I would take fast and furious notes. I'd get one of the little binders we have in our life. I'd keep every outline and say, God, I'm going to be equipped so that when friends, neighbors, and coworkers are taking hits, I have all your teaching from the Bible on how to help people in need. Like, don't just go, well, you know, my marriage is not a mess. I'm not even married. I don't need that. Or I'm not broke. I got a good job. And I'm, you know, I'm getting ahead in life. I don't need that. No, you take these messages to heart, not just for you, but all the people God wants to help through you. Will you become better equipped? Like, decide in advance, I'm not going to miss a single message during this series so that I become a better minister. And then thirdly, I'm asking all of you to pray every day for Crossroads, every day at 1027. Now, you might go, why 10? What what is that all about? Do you know one of the reasons that we are such a great church is, you know, everything we do around here, we, we start and envelop with prayer. Every service, like before you walk through those doors, all our worship team and welcome team and parking lot team, and we came to sight and sound, we came together, we joined hands, and we prayed for you. We start everything in prayer. And you know, there's a group of people in this church that pray for Crossroads every day at 320. Because our theme verse for the last year was Ephesians 320. Like, and our God will do exceedingly abundantly beyond anything we dare ask or hope. And so we asked God, like, you know, beyond our hopes and prayers that God would work. And we did that for the last year. Well, our verse for this upcoming year, there on your outline, check it out. It's Mark 10, 27 that says this. Jesus looked at them and said, with man, it is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. Would you underline that phrase? All things are possible with God. The truth is, friends, some of you, you need a miracle in your life right now. Friends, all things are possible with God. Some of you, God wants you to be the miracle. 
Well, I'm saying, man, if you have a cell phone with you, in most churches they say, hey, put away your cell phone, shut off your... I'm saying pull out your cell phone right now. For those of you who would dare, I challenge you, would you set an alarm to go off at 1027 every day? And at 1027, whatever you're doing, would you just pause and say, okay, God, I'm just praying for you to do the impossible in my life, in my family, in my church. And friends, if there would be a core of us around this place who every day would pray, man, this series would have a life-changing impact. Man, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to our new outreach series, number two on your outline. Would you write this down? I'm looking forward to adding new church council members. Adding new church council members. I'm reminded of the story of a pastor. He was preaching a message one time, and he's getting near the end of his message, and he was making some announcements, and he said, immediately after offering, I'm calling an emergency meeting of all the board members. So as soon as we pray and take the offering, I need all the board members to stay after service. We need to meet. So the service ends, and then pastor comes back out. Half the church is still sitting there. Pastor said, guys, I'm so sorry, but, but this meeting is for board members only. Guy stands up and says, Pastor, we've been bored with this church for the last 20 years. We thought you were going to finally do something about it. So, so you know, I, I hope you're not board members. But <laughs> little, little joke to make a big announcement that I'm so excited that in the next month we're we're going to add some new elders to the church, some new board members. Do you understand the church council? Uh, in, in fact, I want you to see from the Bible, one great passage from the Bible that helps us understand what our board members do, what our elders do. I love this passage from 1 Peter 5, 1 through 3 that says this. Peter's writing, he says, as a fellow elder, he's talking to the elders in the church, I appeal to you. Care for the flock that God has entrusted to you. Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly, not for what you'll get out of it, but because you're eager to serve God. Don't lord it over the people assigned to your care, but lead them by what? Your own good example. In fact, underline that phrase, lead them by your own good example. You know, our church council, their primary job is to protect and promote the vision of the church. They care for us, they watch over us, and they lead us by their own good example. And can I tell you, we are going to be appointing three new elders in the upcoming month. Can I tell you, these are great men and women of God. They are amazing leaders with amazing hearts, and they're going to help lead this church. And you're saying, well, what does that have to do? If, if this is your church home, I just want you to understand the significance of this moment. In fact, it's so important on the screen behind me. I wanted, this is what we have in our official bylaws about the church council. That the church council is the highest level of leadership within our church family. Their primary purpose is to lead, serve, shepherd the church by working alongside the lead pastor as a source of guidance, encouragement, and accountability. Each member of the church council will be appointed as an elder of the church. And guys, this is such a big deal. It doesn't just happen like that. It's about a three to six month process. 
To become an elder, you need to be nominated by the members, approved by the staff, reviewed by the current leadership team, and then appointed by the existing church council. All that to say is that on October 7th, when we have our first Wednesday worship service, we are going to present to you our three new elders. Now, they're under, they'll be under probation for 30 days. So, like, if you have some dirt on them, you have a chance, like, to bring it to our attention. But then after 30 days, then we'll have a... But it's a big deal. And, guys, can I tell you, I'm so excited because they are going to help lead us to God's good plans and our great future together. Number three on your outline. Got to say, I'm probably most excited about this. And I'm looking forward to building our new worship center. And can I get an amen? Amen. Guys, I want to tell you, I, I don't know about you, but I can't wait for this building to go up. Man, I cannot wait. I am so looking forward to more space for our children's ministry, real rooms for our junior high and high school ministry, more classrooms for our life groups that meet during the week, and more seats to help us reach more seekers. In fact, guys, can I tell you, in just a few short weeks... They're going to be pouring the foundation, putting in the steel footings. The steel frame is scheduled to arrive at the end of October, beginning of November, and it's about to get real crazy around here. But in the midst of all, yes, but in the midst of all the craziness, we can't afford to lose sight of our vision and why we're building the building in the first place. Let's let Luke 19.10 on your outline, let's let that be etched on our hearts that the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. We're not making more space just for us, but for all the people we're going to reach with the love of Christ. I love the quote from Bill Hybels on your outline that says this, lost people matter to God and must matter to the church. That's why we're building this building. In fact, to capture this moment, and why I'm looking forward to our new worship center. I, I was thinking about that, and for some reason, this awesome lady of God kept popping up in, in my mind. Some of you will re- remember Frances Boone. Now, Frances Boone, um, she was a beloved church member. This picture is her with me and my, we were taking pictures with my motorcycle. Can I tell you, I'm wearing this Niners jersey kind of in honor of her today. She, man, she loved the 49ers, so you know she was a great lady. Um, <laughs> hey, uh, j- just saying, it's, it's, you know, she loved the Niners. Can I tell you, she loved our kids. All the way up to her dying day, she was serving in our kids' ministry. In her 80s, she's serving our kids, she's serving on the prayer team, and she loved me. She loved me. You know, I have two great memories of of Francis Boone. One memory was when we first came to this location. Believe it or not, our 1115 service only had about 25 people coming. And she pulled me aside one day and she said, Pastor Paul, do you really think this merge is going to work? And I said, Francis, look around this room. I said, if we will stick to the vision... One day, this room will just be packed out with hundreds of people who've had their lives changed by the love of Jesus. She just kind of looked at me. She said, okay, pastor. 
Well, can I tell you, three years after I said that to, to her, she pulled me aside one morning. She said, Pastor, Pastor, it was after service. She said, Pastor, I, I, I owe you an apology. I said, Francis, what, what are you talking about? She said, three years ago, you told me God was going to fill this place up. She said, after you said that, you left. And I told a lady in the lobby, I said, that pastor's full of baloney. <laughs> and she said, Pastor, I owe you an apology. I was wrong. She said, look what God has done. And she said, I'm so thankful that I got to live to see it happen. It's my first memory. Second memory of Francis was one morning she came down to the church. She said, Pastor, I just, I have to talk to you about a dream I had. It was, it was so vivid. It was like more real than me talking to you right now this, in this dream. She said, I saw it. We built that new building on the front lawn. She said, and in my dream, I saw people walking up and down, lining up on the streets to come to church. She said, oh, pastor, we have to build this building. And she said, I hope I get to live to see it. Well, in 2012, I did Frances Boone's memorial service. She didn't get to live to see it. But friends, you will. We will together. And I'm so looking forward to building this new worship center. I know God's going to fill it up with all the people from the community that we're going to reach with the love of Christ, and I can't wait. Well, one last thing I want to share with you that I'm looking forward to, and I look forward to seeing it for all of us. Would you write this down, number four? I'm looking forward to planting new churches. Did you know that from day one when we started this church, we said that we will be a church that plants new churches. And in our 20-year history, many of you don't know this, but we've helped plant nine other churches, including South Bay in San Jose, Epic Church in San Francisco, the Bridge in San Diego, and the Movement Church was the last church we helped plant in Oakland. They just celebrated their two-year anniversary, and they're growing and going strong. And friends, I want to tell you, I'm so excited to share this with you because I'm looking forward to all the churches we are going to help plant in the next 20 years. And I just want to take a moment, if I could plant a seed of faith in your heart, if I could give you just a little vision. I mean, can you imagine if we decided that we were right here in this room, like we wanted to plant a church but we needed some people to do it well. Like we needed a group of 10 people to serve on the setup team. And then we need another group of 10 people to be on the welcome team. And then we're looking for 10 people to be on the worship team. And then we needed 10 more people to be, you know, on the sight and sound team. Then we needed 10 people to, to work with our children. Friends, to start a church well, you need at least a team of about 50 people to do it well. Now, if we pulled 50 of you out of this service, we'd be kind of struggling right here to do what God's called us to do here. But instead of just starting with this service, can you imagine, friends, if we pulled 50 people out of a service like this? Take a look. This is from our anniversary night. At our anniversary, we had close to 500 of us at one place at one time. And I want you to see it. I know you can't see it in the picture very well, 
But do you understand that our new worship center will hold at least 500 people comfortably? See, if we pulled 50 people out of that building, here's what I believe God's going to do. Because we're going to have the capacity to seat 500 people per service. And do you understand that every time we've opened up space in this place, God's filled it up with people. And I just know God's going to do it here. He's going to do it on our new worship center. I believe we're going to have the ability to grow to 1,000 to 1,200 people in this location, guys, because God can do the impossible. But there will come a time when we max out this location here. But can you imagine if every year we send out a team of not 50 people, but 100 people to go plant a new satellite campus all around the Bay Area? Now, that, that 100 is very important because do you understand that, that the greatest growth barrier that churches struggle to break through is that 100-people barrier? Well, if you start with 100 people, like a site pastor, and a worship team, a welcome team, a setup team, a children's team, you provide 100 people to launch into a community. We send them out. Not only will they start a new church at that location, like at Eden Shores and Haywards, and guys, that, that's beginning to happen. The foundation of that already be, being put in place. But you do Hayward, and then Union City, and then Milpitas, and then Northern Fremont, and then Newark, and all around our location, you send out a team of 100 people. Not only will it start a great church there, but that means year by year by year, we'll open 100 new seats here so that we can keep growing, keep reaching the over 220,000 people who live right here in Fremont. Now, let me ask you, what if God called you to be a part of planting a new church? In fact, I had so many people, you know, who, who were here when we initially started Crossroads. And they're looking back and they're saying, hey, Paul, you know, one of the greatest accomplishments of my whole life is getting to be a part of helping this church get started. Can you imagine if God called you to help plant a new church? Let me ask you this. If you were going to start a new church, how serious would you be if you knew your team was counting on you and your church was counting on you and God was counting on you? How serious would you be about your prayer life? How serious would you be about your devotional life, about your witness in the community? How serious would you be about preparing to be God's minister? Friends, not only will it grow us numerically, but we'll see a season of such spiritual growth in our congregation. And I want to tell you, some of you are sitting there and you're going, okay, yeah, starting a new church. Pastor Paul, come on, that sounds impossible. Well, do you know what Mark 10, 27 says? What we're praying for? For God to do the impossible. All things are possible with God. So, guys, this is what I'm looking forward to for Crossroads as we launch into the next 20 years. Our new outreach, our new church council members, building our new worship center and planting new churches. And here's what I'm asking of you. Set your sights. Live with clear vision. Man, give yourself to to serve and sacrifice, to give and grow. 
because if, if I can, let me end with one story, and then we'll pray. True story. There is this dad, and he was signing up his kids. <laughs> yes. Well, what's the line from that movie? I hope that's Jesus calling. No, no, I just just say. There's a story about this dad, true story. He was signing up his kids to play peewee football. And to play Pop Warner football, it is not cheap. And he has one of his sons who's just been like waiting for the day where he was old enough to play. He's finally old enough to play with his older brother. The dad's in line with his two sons. And then he finds out the registration for his two boys to play Pop Warner football, 600 bucks. Well, that dad did what I would do. He stepped out of line. <laughs> he called his boys over. And he, said, Son, he said, boys, boys, come here, come here. I want you to look me in the eye because I want to tell you something. Your dad is about to pay a lot of money. And I want to tell you, boys, if I'm going to pay for you to play football, if I'm going to pay... Number one, you're going to stay. That means there's no quitting, no giving up. You are gonna, you're going to go through the whole season. If dad's going to pay, you're going to stay. And number two, you're going to play. No sitting on the sidelines, no warming the bench. You are going to practice hard every day, and you're going to do everything you can to get in the game. Boys, you got it? Do you got it? If I'm going to pay... You're going to stay, and you're going to play. Well, guys, can I, in context of that story, can I have you look at the last verse on your outline? In 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19, it says this, For you know that God paid. Your father paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. In fact, underline that phrase, God paid a ransom to save you. And the ransom he paid was not mere gold or silver. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. Guys, look at me for a second. Do you know God paid the highest price to have you? And I think God, our Father, would say say to us, since I paid for you with the blood of my Son, I'm asking you to stay, to stay focused, to live with vision, and to have this heart to say, I will stay connected to my God and Father no matter what. If I take a hit from life, I'm not going to quit. If I hit some hard times, I'm not going to give up on God and my faith. I'm going to stay connected to God and his church, and then I'm going to play. No sitting on the sidelines, no warming the bench. I'm going to do everything I can to do something, to make a difference in this world for the glory of God and to help people in need. I'm going to do something because my father paid. I'm going to stay and I'm going to play. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you have a great vision for our lives and for this church. And Lord, we don't know all that you're going to do, but we are looking forward with hope 
because you, we know that you're a good father and you have good plans for us. And I ask your best blessings on this new series that you'll help us reach and, and encourage and bring hope to a lot of hurting people who are taking the hits from life. I pray that you'll use our new council members to help lead this church to your wonderful plans. We pray, Lord, we long for the day when when the foundation will be poured and the frame will go up and our church will be built so we can reach more people. And then finally, Lord, it's not just about us here. We don't want to just have a fortress mentality, but we want to have a kingdom mentality of building churches all over the Bay Area and all over the world for Christ's sake, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.